welcome to the Marriage Steps podcast for reducing the divorce rate when marriage at a time is the goal. And following my six marriage steps is a path to help get us there. I'm your host, Dr. Wyatt Fisher, licensed psychologist and marriage counselor. This show is for your marriage, so call 303-596-6836 with your questions for me or suggestions on what topics you think I should cover. You also can email me at info at drwyattfisher.com or message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Dr. Wyatt Fisher. That's D-R-W-Y-A-T-T-F-I-S-H-E-R. Today I'm going to talk about three steps to emotional intimacy. So to begin with, what is emotional intimacy? It can be a mysterious thing, especially for those who don't desire it. But by definition, emotional intimacy is knowing your partner well and them knowing you well. And that means your inner thoughts and your inner feelings. So the more a couple is privy to that inside information of what you're really thinking and what you're really feeling on a regular basis, that's emotional intimacy. Now, you may be asking, why care about emotional intimacy? Why is it even important? Couple reasons. One is emotional intimacy tends to be a top need for most females. I would say 95% of all couples I work with, when I help couples discern their top needs in the relationship, nine times out of 10, the woman will say emotional closeness, emotional intimacy. So it's how most females are wired. They need it like they need air. They crave it, they desire it. They wanna feel that closeness with their partner. So most women, this is a top need for them. Another benefit or another reason why this is important is emotional intimacy is often what cultivates the best friendship in a marriage. And that's the ideal for all of us is to feel like our partner is our best friend. But it's rare for people to feel that way. And one of the reasons is because they don't cultivate this emotional intimacy time. They don't have a rhythm or a method or a tool on how to cultivate emotional intimacy. But couples who do and couples who have this tool and practice it, they have a best friendship. They know each other well. They have each other's back. They know each other's inner thoughts and and feelings, and that's what creates a best friendship. So emotional intimacy is the path into a best friendship in marriage. Another benefit with why emotional intimacy is important in marriage is it often leads to a much better sex life. Most women can't be physically bare until they are emotionally bare. And they don't become emotionally bare by accident. It's through intentional cultivating this emotional intimacy so that they feel known and they know you. And through that, they feel close, they feel safe, and then their bodies respond sexually. So couples who have closer emotional intimacy tend to have much better sex lives as well. Now, John Gottman talks about this concept of a love map. So that's a different way to think about emotional intimacy, but it's a helpful analogy. Uh, Think about a city where you live. Think about a map of that city 100 years ago, 50 years ago, or today. As you can imagine, that map has changed drastically. New buildings have gone up, new highways have been built, new bridges have been erected, etc., etc. So the maps of major cities have, are constantly changing through the years. And we're just like that. 
we constantly are changing on the inside. What is stressful to me now and what I'm excited about now is different than it was a month ago or three months ago or a year ago. I'm constantly changing. You're constantly changing on the inside of what your highs are, your lows, what makes you stress, what makes you happy. All that inside of us is a moving target. And if we don't have a method to continually get updated on that content with our partner, we get outdated. And we may think we know them, but we actually don't. And they definitely don't know us. And when you start feeling like your partner doesn't know you, you probably will start taking steps away from them and become detached. So it's critical for couples to have a rhythm and a method to cultivate emotional intimacy to keep their love map updated. So they constantly know day to day what's really going on with their partner on the inside, on the important things. So we're going to go through three steps to cultivating emotional intimacy. The first step is ask your partner what is on their head and heart. Get in the habit of asking them that question. What's on your head and heart? The head is the agenda items. That's what most couples talk about because they have to. That includes you know, your schedule, your work schedule, your, your meetings you have to go to, activities with the kids. That's the agenda. That's the head. The heart is mad, sad, glad, or fear, and why. Those are the four main emotional categories. Anything you feel most likely will fall under one of those four. And those four emotions may be connected to your agenda items or they may be an undercurrent and have nothing to do with your agenda items. So step one to cultivate emotional intimacy is make it a practice of yours to ask your partner what's on your head and heart. Ask them that question. Now when you ask them that question, it's important to not have your kids around if you have kids. So maybe this is something you do after they're in bed. You don't want to have any tech around, so you're distracted. You don't want to ask them this question and then look at your phone. So you want to have no tech around you, no TV on, and you want to be attentive. You want to be focused. You want to be ready for what they say, because what you don't want is to ask them that question and then they start sharing and then they feel like you're not listening to them. That's going to extinguish their efforts of wanting to share with you. So no kids, no tech, and be, be attentive. Now, when they start to share... Some of the stuff they share may be good things, but a lot of it may be negative things. Maybe they're feeling some mad, they're mad, or maybe they're sad, or maybe they're fearful. When they start sharing some negative things, you have to know how to respond to that. And the best way to respond back is with empathy. Now, empathy is not provided only if you agree with how they're feeling. If you only can provide empathy if you agree with how they're feeling, you're going to be able to rarely provide it. But instead, as I've mentioned in other episodes, empathy is when you really put yourself in your spouse's shoes. Imagine their upbringing and what they went through and the abuse they experienced or how love was experienced or not experienced. Imagine their wiring, their temperament. Imagine their insecurities. Imagine their value system. Imagine all those things that make them who they are. Really put yourself in their shoes. And the more you do that, the more you can see why they're feeling the way they're feeling and why what's happened in their life has made them feel this way. That's where authentic empathy comes from. 
is really losing yourself in your partner's world. And I always tell people, when you really practice empathy in marriage, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do because it requires selflessness, where you pause momentarily by seeing the world through your lens and intentionally see it from your spouse's lens. That's empathy. So some of the ideal comments you can make from an empathic perspective is, that makes sense, that sucks, that's one of the best ones, that sounds horrible, things like that. I can see how you would feel. And now all these comments, you want to repeat back what you hear them saying. That sucks. I can see how you'd be so stressed about that. Or that makes sense that you're really sad because I know that relationship was so important to you. Or that sounds horrible how your boss spoke to you. No wonder you're so stressed out. Those are empathic comments. And when you respond that way to your partner, it's going to communicate to them that you care and that you have their back and it's going to encourage them to share more. When you are responding to your partner, a couple other tips. One is do not provide any advice unless they ask you. This is a huge no-no and this is what we do all the time. Our partner will start to vent because we've asked them a question, perhaps, how are you doing? How's your head and heart? And they start to vent, and then we start to we start fixing. We offer solutions. We offer advice, and that's not what they want. If they wanted that, they would ask us. So offering advice is high risk, but if you offer empathy, it's safe because you never can go wrong with empathy. Keep going with empathy. Keep providing it until they say, "What do you think I should do?" They may ask that, they may not. But if they do, then you have a green light to provide that advice. But do not go there. Do not offer unsolicited advice unless your partner asks for it. Now, another thing to keep in mind, when you're practicing empathy, it's going to feel artificial initially. It's going to feel like you're just going through the motions. It's going to just feel awkward because you're probably not used to responding with empathy to your partner's venting or sharing about their life. But remember, in the beginning, it's more about the letter of the law, learning how to do this, but eventually, it's going to become more about the spirit of the law. So like any new trait, any new habit, in the beginning, you have to learn the behavior. You have to learn the the outline of how to do it right. But after a while, you you can be a little more loose with the parameters of how to do it because now you're operating from your the inside out, and it's more authentic. It's more part of who you are, and so the spirit of the law takes over. And then the way you execute it can look different. Same thing with empathy. In the beginning, you have to master the letter of the law, the right phrasing, the right way to say it, which I've already mentioned. But eventually, it, it needs to become more about the spirit of the law, which is the heart of empathy, and then you can execute it how you see fit. So that's one thing to keep in mind when providing empathy. Step two on how to cultivate emotional intimacy is you need to share what's on your head and heart. So it's not just about asking your partner what's on theirs, but then also be ready to share what's on yours. Now, some people are great about knowing what they're feeling and why. Other people have no idea. And if that's you, if you're not quite sure what you're feeling, if you're mad, sad, glad, or fearful, if you don't really know, you, mean, you may need to take some time to reflect and to have a self-inventory before having time with your spouse to share so that you know what you're feeling and why. So that may be something you need to grow in. 
but be ready to share this back with them because emotional intimacy is not just knowing your partner's heart, it's also sharing yours. It's both. If it's just one-sided, your partner won't feel close with you. They may feel close because they've shared, but they also want to know your heart. A great way to think about intimacy is into me, see. And that's what you want. You want your partner to see into you and you want to see into them. When you share your heart, it's like pulling up the garage door of your soul momentarily so they can see the inner vulnerable part of who you are. That's what sharing your heart is. Another tip when you are sharing your heart is don't share anything negative you're feeling about the marriage. If you're feeling something about the marriage, do that separately with a soft startup and with the floor method that I cover in other episodes because otherwise, sharing your head and heart will become a negative experience for your partner where they may start dreading it because they think that's the time when you're going to beat up on them metaphorically with your words about the things you're unhappy with. So don't use this head heart time to share negative things you're feeling about the marriage. Do that separately. Step three to cultivating emotional intimacy is you want to set up a daily rhythm for your head heart check. An ideal way to do it is you ask each other before you go your separate ways in the morning what's on your head and heart. It takes about five minutes to share. And then you share it again sometime later in the day. A lot of couples will do it after the kids are in bed if they have kids for about 15, 30 minutes up to an hour before going to bed every night. So it can become bookends to your day. And when you're sharing this first thing in the morning, it gives you things to follow up with with your spouse throughout the day. Like, hey, I was thinking about you. How's that thing going for you you shared about this morning? And then you can ask them later at night when you do it again, when you have your head heart the second time, you can follow back up. Hey, how are you feeling? This morning you said you were sad because of you know that, that conflict you have with your friend. What's going on with that? When you feel like your partner is tracking your life about your inner life and they're asking you questions about those items, it makes you feel so known and so cared for. And it makes you feel close. So for a review, the three steps to emotional intimacy is ask your partner what's on their head and heart while you have no kids, no tech, and be attentive. And when they respond, when they start to vent, make sure you respond with empathy through comments like, that makes sense, that sucks, that sounds horrible. Don't offer any advice unless they ask. Second, you need to show it's on your head and heart, so you may need to spend some time reflecting and identifying so you can also be vulnerable and transparent. And then third, set up a daily rhythm for this head-heart check. View it as an essential ingredient for a healthy marriage, and hands down, it's one of the most effective ways to cultivate emotional intimacy in your marriage. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Marisep podcast. For more marriage resources, go to my website, drwyattfisher.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with your family and friends. And if you believe in my mission to reduce the divorce rate and would like to keep the Marisep podcast on the air, please consider becoming a monthly supporter by going to patreon.com forward slash marriage steps. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash marriage steps.